life circumstances and um, our expectations about Jesus and our own personal story and kind of temper that down. But the Word of God does paint a picture of Jesus that's totally awesome. And today in our series, we're going to take away the unpart of the unrealistic expectations. And we're going to look at it through the lens of Isaiah 9-6. So I have to ask this question first. How many of you guys are Christmas you just love Christmas, and you get excited about Christmas, and you're the one that watched the Hallmark movie starting the day after Thanksgiving, and, and you're just into it all, just loving it. Okay, so I know this is church, but how many of you kind of dread Christmas? You can admit it. It's okay. So I myself, I'm being honest. I, I have to ramp myself up for Christmas. I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm sorry, I'm not the Hallmark guy. And I've, I've always kind of thought it was weird that during the Christmas season, people got all nice, and they got generous, and they got kind, and then we had Christmas, and then they went right back to the way that they were. And there's Christmas time, and it comes, and people get all excited about the miracle of Jesus and, and the birth of Jesus, but you can do that all year long, you know, and after Christmas, they kind of forget about it. We, we can celebrate the fact that we walk with Jesus every single day. You know, and sometimes the noise of the season, the commercialization of the season, it, it just gets in the way. And I remember when our kids were young, um, it was so much fun to make Christmas fun for them. You know, you, you're, you got little kids, and to see the joy in their face, you do something neat. You do all the things you did when you were a kid, and it was fun. But I'm going to be honest, as a parent, underneath the hood, I'm stressed. I know we're spending money we don't have. I'm looking at it go, oh my gosh, my parents gave these kids these gifts, and how do, I, how do I compete with that, you know, when we're trying to do things and trying to get everything done, and, and as a dad, as a mom, it can be super stressful, and it made me get to the point that I dreaded Christmas, and I, I'm sorry, I just did, <laughs> but as I've gotten older, I've, I've refocused myself, and I found out that the way that I can enjoy and get joy out of Christmas is if I focus on Jesus. If I focus on him and celebrate him being in my life, you know, he's changed my life. And every day he changes my life. And now I look at Christmas a little differently. I can see the people that are where I was stressed. I can see people who don't know Jesus. And, and my heart now wants them to come to know Jesus. And that becomes Christmas for me. I want them to know his peace. I want them to know that he loves and cares for them. So as we work through our series the next couple of weeks, my hope and prayer is that you guys are going to be able to grab onto some aspect of Jesus that you hadn't seen before, some, something that you can get into and dig into, something that Jesus can open a door and you can explore it on something that you haven't, may have thought about before, and he's going to reveal himself to you in a brand new way. And as we go into our scripture, Isaiah 9-6 is our scripture for this series, and Pastor Greg last week did an awesome kind of backdrop as to how we got to this, this uh, scripture from Isaiah. And I know it's Thanksgiving, so I'm just going to give a quick recap of, of what was going on when the prophet prophesied these scriptures. So King Ahaz was a king in Judah, and he was about to be attacked by two kings, king of Syria and the king of Israel, who had come together, and they were going to attack him. They were going to attack Judah. And king Ahaz is freaking out. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to survive. I don't know if we as a country are going to survive. And God sent this prophet Isaiah to him to tell him something. 
So Isaiah goes to King Ahaz and he says, God has told me to tell you that these kings will not succeed. You don't have to worry about it. In fact, if you want, you can challenge God and you can ask God for a confirmation about what I'm telling you if you want to know if it's true. He said, make it as difficult as you want, as high as the heavens or as deep as the place of the dead. God will give you a confirmation. And Ahaz says to Isaiah, he goes, I will not test God like that. I'm not going to do that. And it seemed perfectly noble for him to say that. It's like, wow, he's, he's not going to test God like that. But that's not what he had in mind. We go on a little later to realize that King Ahaz had his own plan. He had already contacted the king of Assyria over here, and he wanted to make an alliance so the two of them could go against the two kings that were going to attack him. He didn't trust in God. He had his own plan in mind, and he relied upon his own abilities. So in chapter 7, this is where it comes up to where this is all happening. And Isaiah says to him, okay, God says this, I will give you a sign that the virgin will conceive a child, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. He's referring to Jesus. And he says, by the time this little child knows right from wrong, those two kings will no longer exist. They'll be gone. And in chapter 9, a little while later, Isaiah goes on to prophesy this. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, I can't do that. I can't say that without singing it in my head. So we're going to do it, okay? Boys, you have a part? Girls, you have a part. I want to hear the, ah, ah, ah. okay, can you, can you play this? We have to get in the Christmas spirit. Crank it. I cannot read that scripture without that going through my head. And what a wonderful way the handle put that together. The whole Handel's Messiah is absolutely beautiful. If you want to get in the Christmas spirit, that gets me in the Christmas spirit. But he gave four titles when he prophesied. Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And so today, we're going to take a look at the first one. Wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, Wonderful Counselor. And when we dig into those four names, you know... What appropriate names, because it gives us a handle for everything that we need in life, comes from one of those four things from Jesus. So I looked up those two words in Hebrew, and I wanted to know, what do they really mean? The first word, wonderful, is the Hebrew word pele. And pele means wonder. It means marvelous, extraordinary, hard to understand thing. That word Pele is the same word when the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea and the Red Sea had parted when they got to the other side and the, and the water closed in. 
They did a dance and a song. And, they, and the word that described that dance and that song was Pele. They were singing about how extraordinary, how marvelous what just happened. It was Pele. And the word counselor in the Hebrew is yayet. It means exactly that, to advise, to consult, to give counsel, to purpose, devise, or to plan. You know, as people, we all need help, don't we? In 2020, 20.3% of Americans were receiving mental health counseling. And I'm very thankful that we have counselors that will help people because sometimes we just need a hand. We just need help getting through an issue or struggle, getting back on track, an addiction, or sometimes it's just to sort out an issue. But you guys, I think a lot of times as Christians, we, we miss the boat. We get to the point that we'll confess Jesus is who he says he is. We confess that he's our Lord and Savior. We confess that he died, he rose again, and we believe that and we'll confess it. We'll pray to him, we'll give our request to him, but that's it. We don't take advantage of all that Jesus has to offer, and we don't really dive any deeper than that. When we look at that title, Pele Yait, Wonderful Counselor, the counsel that Jesus gives is like no other. It's extraordinary. It's supernatural. It's wonderful. It's marvelous counsel. There's no human counselor that can give what Jesus can give as counsel. And there's some stark differences between a human counselor and Jesus. The first is that with a human counselor, you have to make an appointment. With Jesus, he's always available. If you find a human counselor that's always available, find a different one. (laughs) With a human counselor, they're billable. With Jesus, it's free. With a human counselor, they can't always help you. With Jesus, he can help you, and he always will. Hebrews 4.14 says this, Therefore, since we have a high, great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us. In our time of need. So Jesus is your counselor. You may say, well, does he really understand? Does Jesus understand physical pain? Yes. Does he understand being betrayed by a friend or family? Yes. Does he understand temptation and how strong it is? Yes. Does he understand finances? Yes. Does he understand exhaustion? Yes. Does he understand the loss of a loved one? Yes. Does he understand emotional hurt? Yes. That's the whole reason that Jesus came. As a man, he experienced everything that you will experience. And as a counselor, he understands it, but he also sees the bigger picture, and he can give you counsel in the bigger picture. But there's one requirement. If you're a human counselor or if you're Jesus, there's one requirement if you're going to come to him for counsel. Anybody guess what that requirement is of you? Trust, faith, surrender. There you go. That's the one I was looking for. Honesty. Honesty. When you come to a counselor, you have to be honest about the issue that you're seeking help with. And the disadvantage that a human counselor has is when people come to them, they flavor it a little bit. They paint the light, they paint the picture how they want it to be. 
And the human counselor has to get through that. I was reminded of a story of an eight-year-old boy named Ronnie. Ronnie had a, a sister who was a high school senior. She had her license, and she had a boyfriend. And Ronnie absolutely idolized her boyfriend. Thought this guy was the greatest guy ever. So one night, his sister and her boyfriend were supposed to go to a bonfire with some other high school friends. And they were going to go, and then the mom and dad reminded them, you're supposed to babysit Ronnie tonight. Can, can we bring Ronnie to the bonfire? Oh, absolutely. You can take him to the bonfire if you want, but you're babysitting. So they took Ronnie to the bonfire. And Ronnie is on cloud nine. He's with all these high schoolers. He's, so, he's cool. He's with the coolest boyfriend ever. They get to the bonfire. They spend the night roasting marshmallows and putting sticks in the fire. And he's just with all the cool kids, thrilled to death. They go out to the parking lot. They're all saying bye to everybody. And all the high schoolers come up to Ronnie and they... Hey, Ronnie, thanks, thanks for coming. And they're smiling at him. They're so friendly with him. And he's just riding the high wagon because everybody loved Ronnie. When the boyfriend dropped Ronnie and his sister off at the house, he turned around to Ronnie to say goodbye. And he looks at him and he goes, hey, Ron- Ronnie, were you picking your nose? Ronnie says, no. Are you sure you weren't picking your nose? No, I'm not picking my nose. So he says, all right, fist bumps him, and Ronnie gets out with his sister, and they go to the house, and when they're taking off their coats, his sister looks at him, and she goes, Ronnie, were you picking your nose? No, I'm not picking my nose. Are you sure you're not picking your nose? Yes, I'm positive I'm not picking my nose. Ronnie goes into, puts his PJs on that night, and he goes to brush his teeth in the, in the mirror, and he sees two black streaks going from his nose to his mouth. And he didn't realize... Every time he was putting the marshmallow on the stick, he was getting the charcoal on the stick. And then he was digging. <laughs> so you came to church today and you're saying, I don't get it. Why, why would you tell me the story of Ronnie picking his nose? Because Jesus knows when you're picking your nose. <laughs> Not literally. But when you go to Jesus for counseling, he already knows. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows the thought. He knows everything about what you come to him for. You can't flavor it. You can't disguise it. You can try, but that's the obstacle. When we come to Jesus and we want counseling, we have to be honest with him. We have to open up and ask him for his counsel. So you might be saying, you know, I've done this. I've prayed. I've asked God for wisdom. I've asked God for help, but I don't know when it's me answering it or when it's God answering it. I I can't tell. How do I tell? So I came up with six ways, and you can probably come up with more, but the top six that that I find that I'll turn to for when I'm getting counsel. And the first one is God's Word. When we come to Him for help, we go to His Word. For 2 Timothy 3 says this, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has us. Another thing you can do is go to this thing called Google, and you can put in your circumstance. Scripture verses about money, scripture verses about anxiety, scripture verses about anger, and get the top verses and start getting into the word and praying those. And God will bring verses to you, and he'll speak to you through his word. The second one is God can speak to you audibly. How many of you have ever had 
where God gives you counsel in an instant. You hear it in your head. It may not be, you know, this thunderous voice, but maybe at the grocery store and God says, pay for her groceries. Or you're somewhere and God says, don't do it. And you hear that. It's, it's, it's in your head. And you can crystal clear go, that wasn't me. That, that's God. He speaks to you audibly. The third way is through other people. When you get wise counsel from other people. Moses, when he, it says when Moses was acting as a judge in front of all the people sitting there by himself, every day people came to him. His father-in-law came up to him and his father-in-law says, what is this you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as a judge while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? What you're not doing is, what you're doing is not good. Now listen to me, I will give you some advice and God be with you. But when we get advice from other people, which I strongly search for godly people, have to align it with the word of God. I got to go back and say, is their advice scriptural? Be sure to double check. Number four, visions and dreams. God has spoken to many people through the Bible. Daniel, Paul, Joseph, the Magi. He speaks to people through visions and dreams. In prayer this morning, we heard Elaine talk about God speaks to her through dreams. And he does that. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a vision of something. And he speaks to us that way. Number five, the way that God speaks to you is an inner knowing. I heard this saying a long time ago, I know it in my knower, right? It's when God puts it in your heart and you just know it. You know what God has for you to do. It says in John 14, 26, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. He's nudging you. He puts it in your knower to nudge you and to guide you in the right direction. And lastly, a way that you can know what God's speaking to you is a clear, a clear or blocked path. Sometimes God will just close the door on you, or he'll open up a door for you to walk through. It's kind of funny that I had to speak on this message, and my wife and I have been going through this for the past month, just seeking God's counsel. So for many years, we've wanted to, to move, and we're getting to the point that um, we have my mother-in-law to consider in moving in with us, but stairs are becoming a problem. So we've been looking at land to, to build a new house that she could come with us. And we had Sheila Berglund helping us, and we decided to put in a hold because we wanted to get our, our ducks in a row. Then out of the blue, this lady who's a realtor calls Karen, and she says, you know, I have a, a person that I know who has a lot of land, and he would be interested to sell it to you. It's not on the market. Would you guys want to come take a look? We said, sure, we'll go take a look. We went, and it had, it checked every box. It's like, oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. So we saw human counsel. We went to some godly people that we know and asked them. We prayed about it, and we felt God gave us the permission. So we made an offer, and he took it. It's like, oh, my gosh. And then, in our due diligence, we found that there was a, sh- a restriction on the land from the owner who owned it 30 years ago. And it gives him the right to, to approve and disapprove what's on the property. Total bummer. So we prayed. We didn't hear anything. Neither one of us. We fasted. We prayed. We went to God. And we're just not hearing anything. Exactly what we're talking about, right? How do you know? Prayed, read Bible verses. And finally, we just said, you know what, God? We're going to let you decide. What we want to do needs a variance. And it needs him to agree to that. And it's perfectly reasonable. But we're going to go and we're going to ask you for a sign, God. 
We're going to ask you to ask the man if he'll do it. If he says yes, we're going to consider that an open door to walk through. If he says no, we're going to consider that closed door. Both of us were pretty sure he would be reasonable, and he'd say, yeah. He came back and he said no. Bummer. In our own strength, we can make this happen. We could, we could twist and we can connive and everything. But we looked at it and said, okay, if that's, if that's your answer, we're going to step into that. And we're going to step in faith. And we release it, God. If it's to happen now, the only way it's going to happen is if God does it. And that's perfectly okay. But it's the faith. It's having the patience and having the faith, which are two critical things. Prayer team and Chris, could you guys come up? So you guys, as you enter Christmas season... You know, maybe life isn't going like you want it to go. Maybe it's not what you expected it to be. And maybe as you enter Christmas season, you have a decision you're trying to make that you're unsure about. Or maybe you already made a decision and it's not going well and you need counsel. You need God's wisdom. When we sang that song, Waymaker, that he breaks the chains, when we come to Jesus for counsel, that's how the chains are broken. When we come and we spend time in front of him long enough to hear his voice, that's where we get the freedom. But sometimes we're so busy, we don't, we don't give him the time. You know, Christmas is busy. And you might be coming into Christmas all stressed out right now. What I said before, that might be you as a parent. It's like, this stresses me out. And the joy of Christmas is gone. Jesus gives the counsel for that. We all have expectations of how things are going to turn out. We have expectations of what God's going to do. Isaiah went and he prophesied one other thing in Isaiah 28, 29. He said, all this, all this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful and whose wisdom is magnificent. So maybe as we start Christmas season, maybe you take some time and carve out, spend five minutes just listening to God. Put everything that you have on your heart in front of him. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You can be the person that you didn't want to be when you did something. It doesn't matter. He already knows it all. James 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding any fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe, not doubt. Would you stand with me as we close? I just want to pray for us. Father God, I pray this morning that as we enter the season, each of those four qualities, they would take on new significance in our life. Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, and Prince of Peace, may these take on a whole new meaning and significance. Lord, I pray that you would fill each of us in a new way. I pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears to your counsel, and that we would feel the joy and the confidence that we're walking according to your will. Lord, I pray that we would press in this season and we would resist the noise. We would resist the negativity and the commercialism that robs us of our joy of knowing and walking with you, the person who we're celebrating this season. I pray that as this Christmas season, we can focus on you, Jesus. We can have our eyes open to those around us who don't know you. We can share the gospel. We can share hope. We can share love. And lastly, Lord, I pray that we're open to your counsel, that we could be vessels in your hand to do as you wish, Lord Jesus, that you would break the chains that bind us, that you would set us free so we could bring you all the glory that you richly deserve. 
Lord, we ask all this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Have a great day. Don't forget, there's lunch downstairs. So we'll see. If you do need prayer, our prayer warriors are up here. Love to pray with you. Have a good day.